Good morning again. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, we're going to continue our series today in the book of Acts, and we're going to go before the Lord and just ask him to be with us, and then we're going to get right into what God has for us this morning. God, we thank you that you're here this morning. God, I thank you for every person that's in this room. Lord, we know that it's no accident that we're here. We might feel like somehow we just got here, but Lord, you designed for each one of us to be here this morning, to hear this word from you. And God, I pray that your words would be loud, that you would increase, God, in this, in this service, that each one of us would look to you with awe of who you are. God, I pray that we would see you as a God of compassion and love. Lord, move in our hearts today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, I loved hearing all the kids' little murmurs and squeaks and squawks all over the service. It's so great to hear kids in service. We design our worship service so that the kids can be a part of it. And uh, I love hearing them. It's just so important that that's life, you know, to have kids in here um, talking and and being part of what we're doing. Um, You know, it's so sweet. It's part of what we want. Sometimes, however, I'm in Target. And I see kids. <laughs> I think Target is like this, this um, petri dish of crazy kids, right? It's this time when the kids just think that they can say, I, I want a dinosaur, like 800 times in a row, and it's appropriate. I just see uh, kids just acting like kids, and they're supposed to. Um, but now that my kids are older, my kids are 12 and 14, I'm out of that toddler stage. I'm out of that little kid stage. So it's almost like deafening sometimes to hear kids <laughs> squawking. <laughs> sometimes it's deafening when kids are trying to climb out of the cart, or uh, we were somewhere the other day, and a baby was crying. And the baby wasn't just like little crying, it was full on crying. And the mom and dad are on their phones, they're hanging out. Yeah, they don't even, they don't hear it anymore because they hear it every day. So it's not, it's not noise to them, it's part of life. And we're like, oh my goodness. And there was that other day we were at Target, Chris is back there, we were at Target and there was like this little kid family following us. Every aisle we went down, these kids were super loud and they were behind us. We're like, ah, you know, we just want to do adult things, which... Back up. I love kids. I'm glad kids are here. There's another time, though, that kids are really difficult. (laughs) When we're out to a restaurant, (laughs) sometimes (laughs) you, you just get out of that kid phase and you think, oh, John and I are going out for a nice meal together. But kids are there, and many times so are sugar packets. You see where this is going, right? They're everywhere. <laughs> Sometimes there's salt and pepper that people... That... So imagine yourself, and it doesn't take a long time to imagine this because we've all been there, sitting at a booth in Applebee's, and there's a kid's table right next to you, right? We love them. We love them. We're glad your kids are there. You should keep taking your kids to Applebee's. It's great. I'm not saying that. That's a phase in life. It's a good phase in life. I miss that phase in life. But they're loud. And sometimes they're just over the bench. They've thrown things. I mean, there's, there's sugar. There's this. There's that. They're loud. The parents don't hear them the same way we hear them. And we just breathe. And we just pray. God bless them. God give those parents strength. Here's some things that you don't do when you see that table of kids. There is no situation 
in God's green earth where it would be appropriate for me to come and pull up a chair next to the height chair and and face that little baby and say, listen, buddy, we're going to talk about manners, right? That's not appropriate. I'm not part of that story. That's their story, right? That's their world. I just happen to see it or get hit with a jelly packet or something, but that's their story. So it's not appropriate for me to interact with the kids besides hi or making faces, which I usually do. I don't, I usually get involved that way, but you don't sit down and start teaching the kid, do you? Has anyone ever pulled up a chair next to a high chair? I mean, maybe some of us are very kid people, but that's just not appropriate. That's their story. The other thing you never, ever do is pull your chair right up to the parents or pull them aside and say, Mama, come with me. I'm going to teach you how to parent. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> parents of young kids, would you respond well to that? <laughs> no. <laughs> you just don't do that. That's their story. You stay out of it. You might be affected by it, but it's their story. And sometimes when, when we look at Christianity, we do the same thing. We say, oh, that's somebody else's story. It's not appropriate for me to be involved. But I want to talk today about a story that you're supposed to be involved in, that you're supposed to interject in. This story with the kids, you are not supposed to be part of. You keep yourself out of that. <laughs> you're supposed to be part of, however, the story of God. So we're going to take a look in the book of Acts today about a story that God is inviting us to step right into. He's inviting us to step in and be part of this story, to affect this story. How are we going to be part of a story this morning? Well, in order to put ourselves inside a story, in order to feel like we're really, really part of it, I'm going to pass out a card to you and tell you what part of the story you're, you're playing. And some of us are very scared right now. Some of us feel like, oh my goodness, please don't make me stand up. Please don't make me be a part of this at all. Because if I'm a part of this at all, it's going to be super scary. And that's exactly what we're talking about this morning. Oh, right back to these guys. Here you go. Here you go. You guys got them. Here you go, sweet pea. This is you and the story. Here we're going to just pass all these down. Here you go. The cards on here say different words. Apostle, you want to pass out the rest? Apostle, Sadducee, Pharisee, and Spectator. Then we have two other special rules. We have one called Gamma Meal. Gamma Meal, will you stand up? We have Gamma Meal, who is going to be the high priest in our story. You can have a seat. And then we have spectators who are just watching. We have apostles who are acting in the story. And we have Sadducees. And then we have just one person called someone. Is someone out there? Someone, will you stand up? Congratulations, Ryan. You this morning are someone. <laughs> it is great to have someone with us. It's great to have Gamma Meal with us. And as I tell this story, I want you to look at your paper and realize who you are in this story. This is obviously pretend, but it puts you right in there. And there's some actions that you'll take quietly. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to say anything besides someone in Gamma Meal, who I already talked to pre-service. Don't worry. We've been in Acts, uh, working through the, the book of Acts, and we're at the part where the early church is just emerging. Jesus has died and risen victoriously, and he is alive. He visits all the, the apostles, and he speaks to them. He says, I'm leaving. I'm going back to heaven. 
but you go and wait in Jerusalem. And another one's coming and the Holy Spirit comes and fills them with power. And they're filled with power from on high and then they begin to preach and they begin to teach. Well, here we are in the story and the apostles are preaching and people are just gathering with them. Everyone's paying attention. There are crowds in Jerusalem, but then there's crowds coming from out of town just to bring sick people to Peter and all the apostles. They bring sick people out of their houses and lay them wherever they know Peter's gonna walk because they just want his shadow to cast on the sick people and they were made well. So people were so excited with all that was going on in Jerusalem and people were added to the believers daily. Day after day, they were added to this group and they were growing. It was so exciting. Could you imagine if one of us was walking down the road and people were healed just by our shadow? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were on fire. This was an amazing time. And there were a group of people who saw all this happening. The religious people, they were called Sadducees. If you're a Sadducee on your little card, would you just stand up? These are the religious people. These are the church people. You should stand proud like Todd. You are a Sadducee. You know what's what. All right, you, if you are an apostle, stay standing up for just a second. If you are an apostle, raise your hand. If you're an apostle, Sadducees, look at them with jealousy. Look at them like they are just jerks. Give them those looks. All right, you guys can have a seat. The apostles, you guys, nice to see you, Luke, James, Matthew. It's good to see you apostles here this morning. Those guys hate you. They hate you because of what you're doing. Now, um, Janine, you're an apostle, right? We're going to call you Peter. So... We're going to call you Peter. Now, Peter, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think Peter would be full of himself? Because he's, everyone he touches is being healed. Don't you think he would get a little happy, a little proud, a little like I'm doing something great? But he was so humble. He was so humble. Everything He knew everything that he did was because of Jesus. He knew it. He knew this power wasn't his. He knew it belonged to God. All right, so these jealous Pharisees, they get together and they're like, we got to stop these guys because we're not getting enough attention. If you're a Pharisee right now, just get a little mad. You're not getting enough attention. And these crazy apostles who are just wacko are taking all your glory. <laughs> so they have the apostles arrested. And it wasn't arrested like they knock on the door and very nicely take you into a police car and escort you to jail. They dragged these apostles off to jail. Apostles, raise your hand again. Imagine dragging these people <laughs> off to jail. They are dragged off to jail, not nicely. And they are imprisoned. And while they're in prison, in the middle of the night, an angel comes. And the angel doesn't break the, cha the door chains. He doesn't, uh, even the guards don't even realize that the angel was there. So the angel comes in and he looks at the apostles and he looks at Peter and he says, I want you to go back out and I want you to keep preaching this Jesus. Keep talking about the new life that I've given you. So he takes them out and they're trans transported to another place. And just at dawn the next morning, they don't even wait. At dawn the next morning, you find them again at the temple courts preaching about this new life, preaching about the fact that there was a God who sent his son to take our sins, preaching about the fact that you can have a new life empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's totally different. They didn't stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Pharisees, raise your hands. 
Pharisees, any Pharisees out here? If you had the Pharisee card, or Sadducees, I'm sorry, Sadducees and Pharisees are the same Sadducees. The next morning, you are ripping and ready to go because you are gonna have a trial and you are gonna finally put these people to, to rest. Todd is gonna beat you. <laughs> Later in the story, you're in charge of the flogging, okay? <laughs> so at daybreak, they finally, they're like, all right, guards, go get these apostles, go get them out of jail because... It's time. We're putting them away for good. We killed their leader, Jesus, and now we're going to get them. We'll be done with them forever. And they go, and the guards are standing guard. The guards say, go ahead and go in the room and look. And no one's there. So they go back and they say, we don't know what to say. This is confounding all of us. We, we have no idea where they are. The guards are there. The chains are there. But the apostles are gone. And they just don't know what to do. And then someone, is someone here? Someone. <laughs> someone. Someone comes in and someone says. Then someone came and said, look, <laughs> the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. Thank you. You really are someone today. Thank you. <laughs> and they are mad. How did they get out of jail? They go to the temple courts to find the apostles, and they dragged them back into the courthouse. Now, it's important to know that it wasn't just the Sadducees, but it was also the Pharisees, who were the other religious group of the day. They joined for forces because they wanted to put these apostles to rest. All the religious leaders, just picture all the pastors from this whole area, all the religious er leaders, not just from this area, but all the overseers, the wise men of the day were all gathered to point their fingers at the apostles. So they dragged them in and they didn't beat them then because they didn't want the crowd to erupt because the crowd was amazed at what the apostles were teaching and doing. So they bring them before the court. I'm speaking into two microphones. I'm sorry. That's awkward. You're like, what's going on? <laughs> so they go. <laughs> A little pause here. <laughs> they go. <laughs> I gotta get over it. <sighs> so if this is recording, we can like stop it. No, <laughs> he's like, no, it's too much fun. So here we are <laughs> back in the story and the apostles are now on trial and everyone is in agreement. Let's get rid of them. Let's kill them. Let's be done with them. Let's put them to death. We have to be done with this whole Jesus situation. We are sick and tired of this Jesus situation. And there was a wise man in the, uh, in the group who said, I have something to say. Let's send the apostles out. And here's my idea. And this is Gamamiel, not Jared. No. Not Jared. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, Consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thetis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. Awesome. And with that, oh, here we go again. Two microphones. With that, 
The rest of the people, in the wise Sadducees and Pharisees, the religious people of the day, said, you know what? You're right. If this really is nothing, it will come to nothing. And if it is God, we can't fight against him. So they took all the apostles. If you're an apostle, raise your hand. Now look over at Todd's mean face. He beat you. It says they flogged them, which is within an inch of, his, an inch of your life. He, he wouldn't do He said, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Don't meet him in the parking lot after service. <laughs> it makes it a little scary. Um, so they beat them within an inch of their lives. And what do you think they did as soon as they got done? They went out and they began to preach in the name of Jesus. They didn't stop. And they were glad. And they said, we are so glad because we are counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. This is Peter who's healing everyone he touches. He should be proud. He should be mad that they would arrest him. He's the man of God. They put the man of God in jail. Where was God? God used that for his purposes. Do you see sometimes in our lives, God uses hard situations for his purposes. We aren't always out of jail. We aren't always living a life that's easy. So he takes the apostles and he puts them through this and they're not even angry. They're happy as they went through suffering. They were happy, joyful in their trials because they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. And it said day after day, They went and they preached in homes, on the street, and in the temple courts. They never stopped proclaiming Jesus the rest of their days. Wow. The principle of this story is not that God will rescue you from every tough situation. Sorry. The moral of this story, the principle of this story, is not if you do what God tells you to do, then you won't face anything difficult. That's not the principle of this story. It can't be, right? Because they went to jail and Todd beat them up. That's not easy. Do you feel like you're a man of God or woman of God when you're beat up? No, but you are. You are a woman of God when you get beat up by the devil. You are a man of God when you get beat up by the devil because God uses those things for his purposes. But we are more than conquerors, right? It doesn't matter what happens to us. We're going to keep preaching Jesus. It doesn't matter what comes our way because we have a mission from God to do his will. So did the the apostles. If you're an apostle, check out this slide if you can. It's a little hard to read. Matthew was beheaded with a sword. Mark died in Alexandria after being dragged through the streets of the city. Luke was hung on a cross in Greece. John died a natural death after they unsuccessfully tried to boil him in oil. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. These are the guys that preached Jesus to the very end. This is their outcome. This is the glorious ending of their lives. James the less was thrown from a height, didn't kill him. Then he was beaten to death with clubs. Philip was hung. Bartholomew was whipped and beaten until death. Andrew was crucified and preached at the top of his voice to his persecutors until he died. Man of God. Thomas was run through with a spear. Jude was killed with arrows of an executioner. Matthias was stoned and beheaded, as was Barnabas. And Paul was beheaded in Rome. The principle of this story is not that God will rescue you from hard times. It's that you keep preaching Jesus when the hard times come. It's that you don't give up, no matter what people throw at you. That's the principle of this story. There are three groups of people in this story that we're going to focus on. The Sadducees and Pharisees, the spectators, and the apostles. Two were part of the story, 
And one was really not. The spectators were watching the kids at the table, but they weren't really part of the story. I want to talk first about the, the spectators. I want you to imagine a basketball hoop. Imagine a basketball hoop. <laughs> Isn't that magical? <laughs> imagine a basketball hoop. And you look at it and you know what it's for and you think it's great. So you keep driving by it in your car, but you never get out of your car. You drive by it in your car, maybe, maybe every Monday. You go and you park your car there from, let's say, like 10.30ish to 12, maybe 12.15, depending. And you just sit there and you watch the basketball hoop. Boring. Maybe some kids are playing and you watch them score. This team, that team, they're scoring, they're scoring. You watch the game. Maybe you even come a second time of the week, a Wednesday night maybe, from 7 to 8. And you sit there and you watch what's going on. You say, wow, that's really great. Maybe you're so committed that you get out of the car and you stand there with your arms folded and you keep watching. But you're not in the game. You're watching. How do you know if you're part of the basketball game? Because you score points, hopefully. Because you're in proximity to the other players. If you're a spectator in the story of God, you're not scoring points, are you? You're not making a dent. You're not making a difference. And God's invitation to you today is to get and pick up a basketball and get in the game. His invitation to you is to get off the sidelines and join the team. Because his invitation is so big that it's for everyone. His invitation doesn't pick people like gym class and leave people out. His invitation is for every teenager, every child, every man, every woman, regardless of age or anything else. He says, everyone come and be part of what I'm doing. If we're not part of the game, we're on the sidelines of a battle. Could you imagine a battle raging? I think of like an old-fashioned um, Civil War kind of battle. If you're a spectator, you're just watching the battle, and you're watching people die, you're watching people live, but you're not affecting anything. You're just watching If you're not pushing back the darkness of evil, you're just watching. Watching doesn't scare the devil, and it doesn't help Jesus. Watching doesn't scare the devil, and it doesn't help Jesus. So you think of the spectators in that story, and they watched, but they didn't join in. They brought their sick and said, please heal them. But they weren't healing people themselves, but the invitation was for them also to heal people. The invitation was for them also to preach in the name of Jesus. The invitation was for them also to join in the battle and the fight and the game and the church. But they just watched. How do you know if you're scoring for Jesus? Well, other people's lives are changed because of you. Not because of the church, not because of me, not because of Pastor John, not because of anything, but you, the Holy Spirit in you changed someone. That's a score for our team. That's a score for Team Jesus. Is your life changing somebody else's life? And you are changed. That's a mark of someone living for Jesus. You are completely changed. You, are, you cannot be the same person that you were last year in August and be a, a Christ follower because it's such an adventure, you guys. 
He changes us from the inside out. He transforms us. I'll never forget a girl in our youth group. When she first started coming, she was what you call goth, and she had black everywhere on her face, and she was dark and dark hair. And we watched the transformation in her life. The power of God hit her, and she changed completely. She dyed her hair blonde. Her clothes changed. Her makeup changed. We never told her to change. We never told her to take off the t-shirts. We didn't have to. The power of Jesus changed her completely, and he continues to change us year after year after year. And if we looked the same as we did last August, I would guess that we might be spectating a little more than we should, that we need to get into the game that Jesus has for us, the thing that he has for us to do. You have to make a dent. You have to make a mark. You have to be dangerous to the dark. Take a self-inventory right now. Am I dangerous to the dark? You're dangerous if you, here it is, do something for Jesus. What courageous thing are you doing because Jesus asked you to do it? What courageous thing are you doing because Jesus asked you to do it? And about half of you would say to me right now, Oh, God doesn't talk to me. He is speaking. He's speaking through the Bible. If you have nowhere else to go, go to Romans chapter 12 and do everything it says. Jesus is speaking to you this morning. He's speaking to you in a a variety of ways. Through a sunset, through a person, through teaching. He is speaking to you. There's a plan and a purpose for your life. There's three genres where we get get a story from. There is, and this is my team, team book, team movie, and team video game. And I hate this illustration. I wish I didn't have to do it, but here it goes. In a book, you're simply reading. You get to imagine things, but the story is spoon-fed to you, right? You have to go to the next page. You have to listen along the storyline of what happens to the character. And you're, I love books. That's where I live. It's in the book world. But then there's the movie world where they imagine for you. And in the movie world, you get to sit back and watch the story unfold. You don't have to do the difficulty of sounding out long words or <laughs> figuring out what page you're on or you know those kind of things. You get to enjoy the whole story in one sitting and you get, get it mapped out for you. You've got a book, you've got a movie, and then you've got this terrible one, but I want to talk about it this morning and it's called amazing. Video Games. <laughs> ben says amazing, I say turn it off. In the video game world, you are part of the story. If your little dude hits the brick, the mushroom comes out. If you don't hit the brick, the mushroom doesn't come out. You are affecting what's going on in the storyline, right? And as these video games evolve, you're affecting it more and more. You're like in alien world or whatever world or I don't even want to look world because it's whatever they do world. But they're affecting the story. And many of us in Christianity, we need to get into that video game sense where what we do affects the story. That we get to level two, level three. There's not levels in God, but we, we do things that affect the world around us, right? But if we're a spectator, we're just reading the story. We're watching what everybody else is doing. If we're just watching the movie of Christianity, yeah, it's colorful, it's wonderful. Oh, this is so great what God's doing. But you're not doing anything. And then you, you sit in the seat of the spectator and the invitation for God is you don't have to live that sedentary Christian lifestyle that you can be part of what God is doing. You can be called a disciple of Jesus. You can be one of those 12 disciples. You, you, you. It doesn't have to be me or Pastor John because each one of us were designed and formed in our mother's womb, formed from the beginning to have a purpose and a destiny. 
that's unique and different than mine. And if you're not doing your part, you're sitting on the sidelines and Jesus invites you this morning to come and be a part. We need to pray and obey, pray and obey. The second group is the Sadducees. And there are two things about the Sadducees. They were not accepting the truth of Jesus. They were deceived. And second, they were jealous. They were wolves in sheep's clothing, the Bible likes to call them. And they are here among us always. I wish that they were never here. I wish we never became Sadducees or Pharisees, but they were the only group of people that God or Jesus as he came to earth ever got mad at, ever pointed a finger at, the religious people. And we are very, we're on this very edge of a line. We have to be so careful because I do believe that every single one of us crosses that line sometimes. Every single one of us steps over to the, I'm Peter and I heal people and I'm cool. And God says, step back, be the Peter who was humble and he didn't mind going to jail because he knew it was part of God's purpose and plan. Like Ananias and Sapphira, who we talked about last week, I would say to those of you who are doing religious looking things, religious sounding things, but you're not hearing the voice of God, to repent because that's not what is going to push the church forward. That's actually scoring for the other team. When we gossip and we speak bad about the church, we're scoring for the other team. When you make fun of someone else in this body, you're scoring for the other team. When you talk bad about someone in this church, you are scoring for the other team. When you cause division among the church, you're scoring for the other team. And Jesus loves his church. And in Romans 12, it talks about, and also in Proverbs, how God is the one who brings vengeance on those that would destroy the church. It's God is the one who will bring judgment on those that are acting religious when they shouldn't. Allow the truth into you. Like Gamamiel, he had a wise idea. And some people look in this story and they say, Gamamiel was so great, right? With all this idea and he saved their lives. Well, Gamamiel was dead wrong. And here's why, because he never accepted Jesus. He missed the big picture. He was doing something good. He was doing something good for God's people, but he missed the point. And here we can be religious people doing good for for God's people, standing up for God's people, and yet we're not doing what God has called us to do, which is to accept him and follow in the story that he has for us. It is a dangerous line that we as Christians have to continually put ourselves before God and say, God, search me and know me. Am I being divisive in my church? Is my gossip literally blocking shots? in the basketball game? Am I literally blocking shots because of the way that I'm acting or the things that I'm doing? And sometimes we're jealous of all the good that other people are doing. And if you're trying to tear down those that are anointed by God, it's up to the Lord and he's going to stop you because God's plans always come to fruition. The devil has these schemes and these ideas to try to ruin it, but God's plans always come to fruition. So don't stand up against the anointed of God, which is the people of God. Then you are deceiving yourself. You look religious, but are not following Christ's voice. And lastly, I want to talk about the apostles. The apostles were following Jesus, and here's where we want to be in the action of the story, in the game. I want to be like the apostles. They listened and obeyed. 
They lived their lives completely surrendered. They were not just Sunday Christians. They were Monday Christians and Tuesday Christians and Wednesday Christians. And they were just as excited about Jesus every day of the week. But here's where we are sometimes. We are following Jesus with mission and purpose. And we go through something difficult like getting thrown in jail. And I don't know what your jail is or what difficult thing you have gone through. But we go through that difficult thing and we're released by an angel. And then we're like, all right, we're done. We have done our work. Keep preaching Jesus. There's not breaks in living for Jesus. There are times of rest, but there are no vacations. There are times of rest, but there's not a break in following Jesus. And then the apostles were beaten. And sometimes when we're beaten, we say, okay, we have done good for the Lord, and now we're done. But God calls us back to work. The minute we get out of jail, we go back to work. Did you hear that? The minute you get out of jail, the minute you're done being beaten, you go back to work. We don't stop the story. We don't say we have done enough. My time is over. We don't say I'm too tired or I'm too upset or I'm too hurt. Again, we follow Jesus again and again. It's not a one act story. It's continual. When we're confronted with darkness as an apostle or as someone following Jesus, when we're pushing back the dark because we're on mission for Jesus, we are literally pushing back the dark. I want to give you a little hint. The darkness touches you. And sometimes it really hurts. And sometimes it hurts your family. And sometimes it hurts your pride. And sometimes it hurts your heart. The darkness hurts us. And Jesus says, keep preaching me. Keep filling Jerusalem with your teaching. That's what the, uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were pointing at, at the apostles. They said, stop filling Jerusalem with all your teaching. Are you filling your Jerusalem with all your teaching? There's not an end to the mission that God has for us. There's not a, you went through a hard thing and now you stop. Sometimes we face gossip or slander or hard times, but we speak life. That's Christianity, is that we keep going, we speak, speak life. We look at people in the Bible like Abraham, who trusted God to move across the known world to somewhere else. But that wasn't the end of the story. And then he had to trust about the birth of his son. And then he had to trust up on the mountain. Joseph trusted in the pit, and then he trusted in jail. It wasn't a one-time thing. Moses trusted in Egypt, but also on a mountain. David trusted about the giant, but then also in a cave. John trusted, John the Baptist trusted to preach, but also when he was imprisoned. Jesus trusted in the desert, but also on the cross. And you trusted once, and today is a day to trust again. Our stories are not finished. There's no period. There's no chapter end. It's continual until the day that we meet Jesus face to face, until we're finally with our Savior. We are hurt, but we keep going. We are tried and beaten, but we keep preaching. Your temple court, you know how the apostles got out and they went to the temple court? Your temple court is your life stage. Your temple court is the life stage that God's given you. Preach Jesus, friends. Preach life. But get that first word. Preach, 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 preach. Not with a Sunday pulpit, but with your life. Preach to people who don't know Jesus. 
and tell of all the good things that he's done. And hopefully you can take spectators and bring them in to be disciples. Hopefully you can reach out to those spectators. And when you get out of bed in the morning, the devil's a little nervous. And when you go to work, people know when you come in, things are going to be different. And when you wake up in your home and you're caring for people, things are going to be different because you are full of the Holy Spirit. You're on fire like the rest of the apostles, changing things because you matter. You are part of the story. You are part of the video game. Could you imagine a video game where the character never moved? Could you imagine a video game where he just, the little Mario or Luigi just sat there? It would be, I think it's three minutes and it went bloop, 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 and you die anyway. You can't do that in the story of God. You have to be active and moving. We can't sit in our cars and watch other people play basketball. We can't sit here and pray, Jesus, please come down. Jesus, please open the heavens and come. Because he came and he's in you. He came, he came and he's in you. And it's up to you to unfold this story in your life and the people that you are around. And here in this church and in the Mohawk Valley, what you do matters and you are part of the story. Next week, we're going to have Joe and Mary Benacasa come, and they are a perfect example about being part of the story. They are um, older than John and I. They were almost at retirement age when they answered the call of God to be missionaries to Italy. There wasn't a period in their lives. There wasn't, we were beaten, and now we get to rest, and we're done. We, we're retiring. God called them to another country in their older age. They're not old, in their older age. And so as you hear them talk next week, imagine what it would be like to pick up your life at 55 or 60 years old and begin to start churches. It's never over. It's never over. You are part of the story. I want to look at ourselves for a minute and ask this question. Am I a spectator? Am I a spectator? Am I fully using the gifts and talents that the Lord has given me for the kingdom or only for my own personal gain? I'm going to read that again. Get that in there. If you are a spectator, if you had the card, or if you're just listening to me, that's everybody. Am I fully using the giftings and talents the Lord has given me for the kingdom or am I only using them for my personal gain? Am I doing as little as possible or nothing to change my family, my workplace, and my world? Have I set up excuses like time, age, resources, or preferences, and use that to avoid the work that God has given me. If you have, maybe you're a spectator this morning, and the invitation of God is so sweet and so great. He says, come on this adventure. Come on this adventure and begin to change the world around you. Begin to push back darkness, and it's not going to be easy, but God says he's going to be with you, and you're going to affect and change lives. You're going to bring people from darkness into life. You're going to rescue lives. If you choose to move from spectator to an active person in the, in the story of Christianity, you are part of the story. Have you become a spectator? Have you just gradually gone over to that side? The second one is, am I a Sadducee? What things am I doing that are outwardly good, but are void of Jesus Christ leading? And we all pick up stuff that we're doing that Jesus never asked us to do. And they may look good, but if the Holy Spirit never told you to do it, today is the day to lay it down. Is God speaking to me through his spirit, through church leadership or the word, and am I ignoring them blatantly? That's pride. Have I let it slowly creep into my life? Do I look good, but I lack genuine compassion? And am I jealous? 
When you're on mission for God, you can't want somebody else's thing that they're doing because you're so filled up with what you're literally designed to do that you don't have time to think, oh, I wish I was them because you're fully on mission for God and nothing else looks attractive at that point. When you're fully on mission and doing everything that God has created you to do, I can't be jealous of someone else. And if I'm jealous, maybe I'm not doing what God has fully created me to do. And friends, there's room and there is a place at this church for you to do those things. Don't be a spectator. If God has put something in your heart to do, let's pray, let's work together, let's accomplish it for his kingdom. But those are things only you can do. I'm never gonna stand up here and announce that one thing that God has put on your heart because it's on your heart. Come and talk to us about it. Are you jealous about what other people are doing? And next, are you an apostle or a follower of Jesus? The apostles were only in the Bible, we're going to say, that we're not going to become apostles, but we are followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. If you're a disciple of Jesus, my life is an adventure with a mission and a vision from Jesus, and it's dangerous. It takes us every time. The mission of Jesus takes us outside our comfort zone. Every time. It's not an easy road. And do you see the actual fruit of what God is doing in you? What fruit is God producing in you? Am I building the kingdom and not tearing it down by gossip or actions? And are you filling your Jerusalem with your teaching? Are you filling your stage, your life stage, with the teaching of Jesus? And I bring up one final one. And this is where many people fall and many people slip. Am I a tired apostle? Are my best days yesterdays? Are my stories better than my today? Have I grown tired and laid aside the vision that God gave me? If I'm honest, would I describe myself as wounded? It's a lot to take in, right? But we all fall somewhere in this story. I wish I could say, well, it doesn't apply to, it applies to every single one of us fall into one of these places. This morning, if you'll be honest with yourself and honest before God, just to yourself, where do you fall? Are you watching a story like the kids at the table? Are you just looking over and saying, that's nice for you, but obviously I know my place. It's over here to be quiet. Or is God calling you out and saying, get back on mission for me. I have something designed specifically for you and only for you to do. So we're going to pray together and ask God to just speak to each one of our hearts. I would encourage you all to reread this story later on today. Acts chapter 5, 12 through 42. Reread this story later on today. Ask God to show you where do you fall in this story. And then couple that with Romans chapter 12 and say, am I doing these things? Because that list is amazing and extensive. And I don't think any of us can really fulfill every part of it if it's not for the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you designed each one of us. You know us. The Bible teaches us that you knew us while we were in our mother's womb, that you designed each one of us to be creative and to have purpose and mission. There's not one of us in this room that's a mistake. There's not one of us in this room that is leftover or no good. 
There's no one who's too used up to be worthy. Jesus, your call is so open. You say to anyone, come. You say to anyone, if you'll believe in me, you can have everlasting life. And not only that, you can have life more abundantly. Thank you that you are a God of compassion, that you see each one of us right where we're at and you love us. But you love us so much that you don't want us to stay in places of woundedness. You don't want us to stay in places where we're ineffective. You want all of us in the game. You want all of us scoring points for you. And God, I love Peter and John and Paul and James, the apostles that you used. God, some of them were just so much like us. There were some of them that just didn't know anything. And God, you used them. You continually use people, Jesus, that don't measure up to the rest of the world. God, your word says you use the weak to confound the wise. So Jesus, use us. God, I pray that you would speak by your spirit to every man, every woman, every teenager, every adult in this room. God, push us to go further. Push us to go deeper. God, we want to affect the world. Just like your 12 apostles could affect the known world, we want to affect the world around us. God, we are expecting that next year in August, we won't look the same way, that our church won't look the same way, that it will be growing. It'll be growing because, God, we invited people out of darkness and into the light. God, this morning I want to pray especially for those who have been wounded by the dark, who have been wounded, God, while they've been on mission. And the devil has schemes to get those people off of the team. God, I pray that you would restore every heart that is broken. God, I ask that you would restore mission, that you would restore vision in people's lives. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak right now, that even as tears are falling in some eyes, that God, you would restore vision, you would restore mission. Those that are called, that you would call them again today. It's never too late. And there's never enough excuses, God, that would, would measure up to the call that you have. Every excuse falls flat. God, I pray for those that are just watching, that are afraid of this crazy, adventurous Christian life. God, I pray that by your spirit, you would calm their hearts and show them that the, the best and most peaceful place to be is in the center of your will. God, I pray that we would preach Jesus on the stages of our lives. Look at us, God, we're your children. You care so much about us. Look at us, God. Look at the number of people that are here. God, I know that we could affect the Mohawk Valley. God, I know that we could affect Clinton and Whitesboro and, and stores and places that we work. God, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to be on fire like the apostles were on fire. That no matter what comes against us, we will keep preaching your name. Because there's no name as great as the name of Jesus. There's victory in your name. There's not victory in ourselves and how good we can do, but there's victory in your name. So God, today we recognize who you are and who we are. And God, we want to be on your team. God, we want to be in the story. So speak to every heart, God, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.